Hi everyone, welcome to The Low Bar, where we get together with like-minded people and talk about true crime. I'm your bartender, Jay. Uh, Tonight I'm having a Gold Rush cocktail. It's a little bit like the bee's knees I had last week, but this time it's made with bourbon instead of gin. It's definitely a different kind of flavor and maybe a little bit more appropriate for the whole prison prison break theme. Um, What's that? A prison break theme? That's right. Tonight we're going to revisit the time two convicted felons escaped from the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemora, New York. We've mentioned this escape before in connection with the Kitty Genovese case. Today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the escape and the players involved. Perfect for Thanksgiving, right? This case is kind of close to my heart for a few reasons. Uh, For one thing, you'll see a couple of different reactions to it depending on where in New York State you consider home. And while New York is the greatest city in the world, I grew up a little bit closer to Canada than to Brooklyn. I used to traipse around the North Country with my dad all the time. Uh, And when I was older, I had a lot of friends from that part of the state. So I'll let you figure out what my thoughts are about this prison break and where blame ultimately lies. It's entirely possible that we'll have different views, particularly if your last name is Cuomo, that's okay. The low bar is a place where we can, where people can have different ideas about a thing, as long as we can discuss them civilly, over drinks. On that note, let's get started. On June 6, 2015, Richard Matt and David Sweat escaped from the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemora, New York. This town and the surrounding area are home to more than a few correctional facilities. In fact, the prison system is the primary employer in the area. Charles A. Gardner, who wrote a book about the escape, refers to it as a company town. The town is situated at the edge of the Adirondack Park, a massive swath of New York State that's been dedicated to conservation and preservation. If you haven't visited the Adirondacks, I highly recommend you visit sometime when the weather is accommodating. Between May and October would be my recommendation. Um, Now, there's been a number of prisons in the town ever since the 1840s. Clinton Correctional Facility is maximum security. It's not there to house plucky, happy-go-lucky guys who just got caught up with the wrong crowd. It has guys like serial rapist and murderer Winston Mosley of Kitty Genovese fame, serial killers, serial rapists Joel Steinberg, and more have graced these walls. The facility also housed Tupac and Old Dirty Bastard, who weren't convicted of crimes nearly on that level, But, you know, Lucky Luciano was also a guest of the state here, before he was deported back to Naples. Um, I know we, as a culture, love to consume prison escape stories. There's something exciting about people overcoming all odds to get that breath of freedom again, to spread their wings and fly. Um, As Americans, we love that overcoming insurmountable odds narrative. And of course, we know that there are many, many people locked away who shouldn't be. Sweat and Matt? Yeah, these guys weren't it. These guys were convicted of exceptionally brutal murders, 
They both had long and violent histories with law enforcement. And it's not a stretch to say that they would happily have gone on to kill again. They had an elaborate plan. This plan involved talking prison employees into helping them, uh, both with and without their knowledge. Both men seducing a prison employee into knowingly helping them. A married prison employee, I should point out. And a scheme that did, that was intended to involve the murder of her husband. And a whole lot of digging. And none of this would have been possible without both inmates being housed in what was called Honor Block. This was a, a housing unit for inmates who had displayed impeccable behavior while incarcerated. It didn't matter what they had done to land themselves in prison. In Honor Block, they had wide leeway and even the freedom to cook their own meals. Matt and Sweat stayed on the run for roughly three weeks. Matt was shot dead in an encounter with uh, armed border patrol agents in Malone, New York, which you may recognize as the home of Almanzo Wilder from Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> Sweat was shot by a New York State trooper two days later, and he was recaptured. Once he was released from the hospital, he was transferred to a special housing unit in a maximum security prison in Romulus, New York, which is in the Finger Lakes region. Um, we've got a lot of maximum security prisons in New York. I, it just kind of hit me. Um, um, the Finger Lakes are another gorgeous area you should visit. Um, I know a lot of people still associate New York wines with Manischewitz. That's not the case. Um, and you should come visit, really. So, who are these guys? I mentioned that they're not exactly Boy Scouts. They're convicted murderers. But I've known some convicted murderers who were actually reasonably nice people. They were just stuck in a bad situation. So I'm not going to cast stones just because of that, right? Okay. Richard Matt escaped from a group home when he was a child by stealing a horse and riding it to freedom. He landed in the group home because he stole a houseboat. His crimes remained mostly nonviolent, despite a reputation for terrorizing other children in school until he got involved with drugs, then all bets were off. He also spent several years during the 1980s as a snitch, or criminal informer, I'm sorry, snitch. Um, he continued to escape from prison on a regular basis. Um, you know, he, he was a career criminal, and he... Every time he was imprisoned, he would escape. <laughs> And, you know, I can kind of understand that urge. Um, he convinced one fellow crook to bail him out after an escape at enormous cost, um, considering that at the time he was facing charges of rape and assault. Um, then he turned around and snitched on his benefactor. Um, 
at the time he was incarcerated in Danamora, he killed a 76-year-old man who had made the mistake of casually employing him. Uh, but not before he tortured him for over 24 hours. Then he fled to Mexico, where he also killed a man. Uh, he stood trial and was convicted in Mexico, uh, almost escaped the Mexican prison, but was shot and recaptured. After his capture, Mexico extradited him to the U.S. to face charges for the murder of his former employer, um, and then he was sentenced to the Clinton Correctional Facility, which nobody actually calls that. Um, David Sweat was a career burglar before he and some buddies robbed a gun shop in Pennsylvania. Um, they did their thing. They crossed the, board, the state line back into New York, somewhere near Binghamton. Um, Sweat made the brilliant choice during a routine traffic stop to run a state trooper over with his car. The courts don't deal lightly with cop killers, and he was sentenced to life without parole. Um, but what he really excelled at was planning. He was great at all the little details. Like, if you, if you read about the escape, he's the one who came up with the idea to pack all their stuff in a soft guitar case that he had, because the the guitar case would make them look like they were just a couple of normal guys out after leaving a gig instead of a couple of prison escapees. Um, you know, he really had the brains to, I guess, kind of predict how people would react to certain situations and plan around it. Um, but what about the prison employee who helped them, who gave him a ride from the prison, and uh, who tried to hire them to kill her husband in return? Uh, Joyce Mitchell managed the prison tailor shop. Um, she supervised both Sweat and Matt in that shop. Um, to say her behavior was inappropriate would be the understatement of the year, and I'm not even going to read you some of the quotes, um, because that would be inappropriate. <laughs> also, I mean, this is not a pornographic show. Um, she was also, you know, they saw a need in her and they exploited it. Um, you know, it's not like she kind of popped up and said, hey, we could scratch each other's backs here. No, they, they kind of saw that she was unhappy, that she needed something more, and they, they exploited it. Um, not that I think that she shouldn't have faced consequences. Um, she did. She served prison time, and she was paroled. As of June 16th, 2021, she and her husband, Lyle, yes, the one she was 
trying to have killed were still married. He visited her every other weekend in prison. Um, and they are still together. Five years after the escape, law enforcement officers in the Danamora area were still digesting the lessons that they had learned. One of the biggest was to listen to their gut. One of the local sheriffs had an instinct that the fugitives would be holing up in a cabin, but logic told him that they would head for the old railroad beds. He followed logic, but it turned out that his gut was right. They were hiding out in one of the cabins that litter the area. Um, there's a big vacationing community of people who you know, enjoy going to a cabin for the summer. Um, they also felt that the community didn't get the recognition that it deserved. The support of the people of Danamora, not only for local law enforcement, but to outside agencies who came in to help was immense, and it didn't waver during the lengthy manhunt. The roadblocks were inconvenient, but everyone understood why they were there and didn't push back about it. Um, it was a necessary part of life with two violent murders, murderers on the loose. The Office of the Inspector General did an investigation into the escape, which seems like the right thing to do. I mean, when something goes horribly wrong, it only makes sense to figure out how to keep it from happening, right? That report didn't exactly take all of the information into account, but we'll get to that. Another bit of fallout from the Danamora case happened in the arena of pop culture. There, the escape has become an episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit, a TV movie, a TV miniseries, and a documentary. The documentary doesn't bother me. I mean, that would be kind of hypocritical of me, wouldn't it? Um, the other stuff? It, it kind of feels like it's glamorizing these two murderers a little bit which doesn't really sit right i mean you know richard matt was a, a multiply convicted rapist and murderer you know sweat is he's another career violent criminal um But again, as a culture, we really idolize prison breaks. Um, and that's just who we are, I guess. It's our collective catnip, and it always will be. So I mentioned that the Office of the Inspector General did, um, did an investigation into the escape, and they put the blame squarely on that long-standing systemic failures in management and oversight by the Department of Correctional Services 
which enabled two convicted murderers to meticulously orchestrate their escape from a maximum security facility almost in plain sight. They cited 20 specific employees, both uniformed and civilian. The report criticized employees for their lack of cooperation and claimed employees gave misleading or lying testimony. I'm pretty sure, you know, don't quote me because I don't know uh, Gardner personally. I'm pretty sure that that must be what impelled Gardner to write Danamora. Um, Gardner spent 25 years as a correctional officer, mostly at the various facilities in the Danamora area. And while he will be the first to admit that, yes, some people did screw up uh, pretty big, big time, the larger failure has been building since the 1990s. Between mandatory prison sentences for nonviolent crimes, which quickly and drastically increased prison populations, and budget cuts, which closed facilities and reduced staff, prison staff simply aren't able to do everything that they're required to do at the levels that they're at. And honestly, I can believe it. I've been... I've never been a correctional officer. Um, I don't think that I could be. I don't people well to begin with, and I don't deal well with smells. Um, when Gardner goes into detail on the prison smell, I almost lose it every time I read the book. Um, what I have been is a corporate employee left behind after staff reductions. And they tell us, do more with less. And inevitably corners get cut. It's impossible to have any other outcome. Maybe you're trying to do the work of three or more people, but there is still only one of you. And that's just in accounting. It's much worse when human lives are involved, and hostile human lives at that. And maybe not all inmates are hostile, but if I'm in a cage, I'm hostile. Gardner is very firm in his accusation that no one involved with the OIG report has ever worked in corrections. Much of the building at Danamora dates back to the 1840s. Therein lies part of the problem. If the inmates know how the facility is structured, then they'll find a way to make use of that construction, and that is what happened at Danamora. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. The... The access, the way to access the cells to provide maintenance for things like um, electricity and plumbing, all that is behind the actual wall of the cell. So there's a big hollow space behind it. Um, and the inmates knew that. So, obviously, that was part of their plan. Um, no building is escape-proof. Sure, people almost certainly did screw up during the escape itself and during the planning. Um, but why did they screw up? Was it because they were lazy and incompetent, or was it because they were stretched too thin? Again, this isn't a field that I've worked in. Um, I've worked in government, and I do know the pressure officials can feel to find someone to blame. 
Um, I can tell you two employees who definitely deserved to lose their jobs and who did lose their jobs. Um, there's Joyce Mitchell and then there's the guard who got duped into helping. Um, other than that, I'd need to, I'd probably need to see what specific actions individuals took or failed to take and how that affected the outcome. Um, when Gardner said Danamora is a company town, he wasn't kidding. Everybody up there either works in the correctional system or knows someone who does. When Matt and Sweat escaped, it was personal for pretty much everyone. These weren't some faceless random people. These were real threats. Uh, people that they knew. Uh, and the people of Danamora stood tall and put their backs into it. They pulled out all the stops to make sure that they did everything to get those murderers back where they belonged. It's a small town, so that's part of it, you know. It's a whole lot easier to get people to cooperate when, you know, it's their loved ones who are telling them, yeah, no, I know these guys, they're a couple of actual predators. Um, than it is in, say, a big city. Um, but they also knew what they were dealing with. You might have pulled up a map when this episode started. Um, maybe you know where Malone was if you were a Little House on the Prairie fan back in the day. But a place like Danamora probably didn't exactly stick out on your mental uh, atlas. Um, if you did, you knew it was remote, far away from everything. It was up in the mountains. That's hills to you people out west. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Back in the 1840s, it was even more remote. It's not like they had highways or anything, and the weather up there can be pretty brutal. The region was sparsely populated at best. Why would the state of New York, in its infinite wisdom, put one prison up there, never mind a whole stack of them? There's a pretty simple answer. Iron. The state wanted to profit from the labor of incarcerated people, and there were huge deposits of iron up there. The state's public-private partnership didn't exactly turn a profit, but they were eventually able to harness their population for other industries. Matt and Sweat, for example, work in the tailoring shop. Uh, there are plenty of other jobs hidden away behind those 60-foot walls. And those iron bars, by the way, ha! Huh? Industrial facilities aren't the only additions that Danamora has gotten over the years. They built a tuberculosis hospital to isolate inmates in the system who had contracted the disease. It sounds harsh, but isolation was the only way to prevent the spread of TB back in the days before antibiotics. Um, it was remarkably enlightened for the time in that they didn't just leave convicted people where they were to spread the disease um, and kill off their neighbors, basically. Um, you know, is a horribly, horribly contagious disease. Uh, and incarcerated people 
were and still are at a higher risk. Um, there was a mental hospital on the grounds as well to provide treatment for people whose incarceration had driven them insane. Uh, this is their phrasing, not mine. Um, there doesn't appear to have been much acknowledgement of mental illness prior to incarceration, um, untreated mental illness. But, um, you know, this was, again, back in the 19th century, so there wasn't a whole lot of acknowledgement of it at all. Um, both of these facilities were later closed down due to overcrowding and converted into cell blocks. Um, and finally, the Church of St. Dismas is a Roman Catholic church on the prison grounds. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, St. Dismas is the good thief who is crucified beside Jesus at his execution. Um, so yeah, they've got an actual Catholic church on the grounds. So that about does it for me. It seems my drink's empty, so I'm going to go mix myself up a refill and see if I can't figure out why my favorite fanfic still hasn't updated. Yeah, look, it's the little things, all right? In all serious, I'm not a huge fan of the carceral state. Um, I do acknowledge that there are some people who need to just not be around the general public. Um, Matt and Sweat are two of them. I'm not a psychiatrist. I couldn't say why some people go through similar life events and don't go on to cut people up with hacksaws while some other people do. Um, and this isn't exactly the place to theorize about it because it's a bar. <laughs> I mean, if you do have the background to enlighten us, feel free to share. Um, what I can say is that this prison break ended with only one death, and that one death was one of the escapees. The outcome could have been so much worse. I mean, remember what happened when Mosley escaped from uh, that hospital in Buffalo? Um, he went and went on a spree again. Um, so I think that it's a real credit to searchers and to the people of the region that they were able to contain this out, this escape and keep people safe. Thank you so much for joining me and have a fantastic week. I'll see you next week. Thank you.